Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. We have so many things to talk about that I won't list them up front. We're just going to launch right in. Let's just go. This week has been a little bit boring on the political side because all they seem to have been doing was interviewing Biden's candidates for the cabinet. I don't know mm. what else the Senate has been doing. And the House has been dealing with the COVID relief package. Mm-hmm. So not a lot has come out of the White House except for the deal with Saudi Arabia. Did you hear about this, that Biden spoke to the king and refused to speak to MBS, Mohammed bin Salman? Yeah. Is there some big announcement supposed to come or did it come? It's supposed to be on Monday. He's making a big announcement on Saudi Arabia. I'm very curious as to what that'll be since he didn't sanction MBS over the killing of Khashoggi. We shall see. It'll be interesting. Oh, it's just so nice not to be responding on a daily basis to a sociopath. It's very nice. I love it. I love it. Although the sociopath was at CPAC, I did get a little whiff of what he was talking about there. So uh, apparently he berated the Supreme Court for not going after his election and said that Biden was the biggest failure in his first month of any president ever. You know, the usual stuff on and on. Yeah, but who cares? I mean, only someone who tunes into CPAC would even know about that. Exactly. So. It's a nice breather. I love the quiet. Me too. I really hey, do. Did you get your COVID booster? I did. I got it last. I forgot to mention that. Yes, I got it two weeks ago, Friday. So you're so I'm, you're invincible. I have superpowers. <laughs> yeah, I get my second <laughs> shot tomorrow. So oh, then in a couple of weeks, I too. Well, I'll have, have my cape. Yes. I didn't have any negative reactions whatsoever. Did you get the Pfizer or the Moderna one? I got Moderna. Okay. I don't know if there's a difference, but the shot was imperceptible. I felt nothing when I got it in my arm and I was prepared to have some side effects because I've heard that that's not unusual, but I had none. I was perfectly fine. Well, I had a super sore arm for a day and I was super, super sleepy for a day, but that could just be because of lack of getting to bed on time. I don't really know. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to say. Or maybe I, I made one of these signs of COVID. Is maybe I made really a Jameson mule before I went to bed that night. I can't remember. <laughs> I wanted to tell you about this wonderful HBO documentary that I saw called Black Art in the Absence of Light. It highlighted 200 years of Black art. There was a very famous exposition in, I want to say, 1975, so much earlier than I ever would have guessed that someone would have an exhibition for 200 years of Black art. But this started it off, and I can't kind of regurgitate everything that I learned about it, but they highlighted, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Kehinde Wiley, the artist who did Obama's portrait in the National Gallery. He's sitting in a chair with his arms on his knees, and there are beautiful green green plants and, and flowers behind him. Amy Sherrod did Michelle's portrait in the National Gallery. I liked the art that she did in the documentary much more than I liked Michelle's portrait. It didn't look like Michelle to me. Her face Mm. didn't look like Michelle's. So Mm -hmm. that really kind of threw me. There are places like I did not know about this place called Spiral, which is a black collective of artists. Hmm. And there is some place called The Studio That is another collective that also has resident artists and is this huge place. It's like um, RISD or one of those art schools that Mm -hmm. produces great artists. And the Mm -hmm. uh, the other one whose, whose art I knew, but I had never seen him speak, is Kerry James Marshall. I can't describe his painting. These are artists who do Black subjects, basically. Mm -hmm. And they're beautiful and strong and really remarkable. 
you know, thinking about the art that Black Americans made through the ages and having been so denied their time in the spotlight, it really just goes right along with how racism works. They were invisible. Their art was invisible. And now they're being seen, being seen as the true artists that they are. Mm I recommend it because it's educational, but it's also, if you like art, if you go to museums or just love painting, this is a wonderful documentary. And Mm. it's beautifully done, too. How did they curate Black art, Black American art or all worldwide? I believe it's Black American art. So what did they have from slavery days and even just back more recently when, when Black people were hardly acknowledged, much less Black artists? I think that a lot of it was what's called outsider art, Mm -hmm. which is self-taught. And there were portraits of people from, let's see, right after this, it would have been right after the Civil War. And there were portraits of one, one in particular of a white family that was done by a black artist. Mm -hmm. And I think that art has gone on. I mean, artists have expressed themselves. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure it was happening. But I'm just I'm surprised, like happily surprised that somehow it was preserved and saved and now known about. Well, I'm sure it was passed down through families, just like oral history Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. passed down from families when enslaved people weren't allowed to learn to read Mm -hmm. and write. I mean, it's a good question. That wasn't specifically answered in the documentary, but it was displayed. I would love to get a catalog from that show because I think it sounded like such an important touchstone for Mm -hmm. all of those pieces of art and all of those questions about art. Like, how was it made and was it purchased? Was it something like that one of the white family? Was that something that someone was asked to do it? Or was it someone who had been enslaved who was known to be? I mean, that wasn't answered. Mm -hmm. Also, the idea that they could have been free people at any time and possibly had that as a vocation or an avocation. Mm-hmm. Good question and one that wasn't answered. Oh. It really focused more on the contemporary artists, not exclusively, but right. more so. Right. And one I didn't mention is a woman named Kara Walker, whose art you may have seen. She does silhouettes mm-hmm. of enslaved people. They can be very disturbing. There, A lot of them are very sexual and violent, and mm-hmm. you may well have seen them if you've been mm-hmm. looking at any kind mm-hmm. of art for the last, I'd say, 10, 15 years. She's been really prominent. Hmm. And and Betty Sayre, whose art I was introduced to. Oh, yeah. I know about her. You know her? Yeah, oh. a little bit. Because when we've done trips with our students to the Getty We hold her up because she's a Los Angeles native. We sort of feature her when we take students to the Getty because she's a local artist and African-American artist. Oh, cool. She did these illustrated books I've seen at the the Getty. And yeah, she was interesting. From what they showed of her art, I really liked it. Mm -hmm. These women who are artists are so vibrant. Mm -hmm. There's just something about them that is really compelling. Anyway, a documentary to watch if you have HBO Max, which... I think you do, don't you? I do. I'll give you it a do. look. Okay. I, I saw another one this week on HBO called Narrowsburg, and it is kind of fun. Here's the problem. I can't tell you if it was compelling or not because I, I bought, this is a sign that I'm getting old. I bought a foot massage machine. Oh, you did? And it's just magnificent. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's totally decadent. So yeah. So I watched Narrowsburg the documentary on HBO Max while my feet were being kneaded and massaged. And so it's hard to really concentrate, but it (laughs) it was kind of interesting. I don't know what it would be like 
watching it uh, in normal circumstances. But it's interesting. It's about an actor named Richard Castellano. And he was in a Robert De Niro film called Analyze This. Remember Analyze This? Oh, yes. And he had a small part, but he was featured. And it kind of made him a Hollywood name. He hooked up with this woman from, well, it's hard to say where she's from. She said she was from South Africa, but then she said she was French. So they got together and decided to make a film festival in a tiny town in upstate New York called Narrowsburg. And it's a little town. It's a little one horse town. But they said they were going to make it the Sundance of the East. Why did they choose this particular I'm not sure why they landed on that town, but they also said they were going to make a movie in the town and they were going to let the townspeople be in the movie. Oh, I'm sorry to remember this. Yeah, They got the townspeople to invest in the movie and they had these people who wanted to be famous. So they invested a bunch of money and the guy even started an acting school, but he has really no acting background except that he was in this movie. (laughs) But he's an ex-con, he's been in jail, all of this stuff. So basically, they ripped off the whole town and just left. They did make a movie, but they only had 10 minutes of footage and they they showed it, but it was like embarrassing because it was just so bad and it was only 10 minutes. They left all these people kind of high and dry. And so the guy was arrested and I think he put back in jail for it, for absconding with these people's money. Well, I would hope so. Um, but then the woman that was associated with him, it's like, was she or was, it, was she in on it or was she being conned too because she was in a relationship with him. But as it goes on, you see that her past is pretty sketchy too. And she does this one big rant at the interviewer about how she's being unfairly treated. And, you know, in Hollywood, one day you're you're hot and everyone wants to see you. And then the next day they want to put you down and destroy you. And she says she's just going through that phase now where people just want to destroy her. Um, she's not wrong, actually. Yeah. But, but it sounds like she didn't have much to destroy, that she wasn't really quite up there. She had all these different names. Wise. She'd worked on, they looked more closely into her. And and she'd worked under different names. She'd not just worked, she had existed with huh. completely different names at different periods of her life. And so there was something a little sketchy about her too. Was but she it was, prosecuted? I don't think for this she was. Oh. She's, she was just shunned in Hollywood, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which oh, is worse, worst. which is worse than going to jail. Yes, so that's much worse. <laughs> when much your calls worse. aren't being returned. It's very painful. Yep. Well, I have to tell you about my travails trying to watch the Golden Globes, which I did not get a chance to watch. You didn't watch. I didn't because I don't have cable. Yeah. And so, okay, I will tell you the many ways I tried to watch. I tried to watch it on NBC, which turns out to be Peacock. Right. Which I couldn't get on my television set. I tried joining Sling, but then realized that Sling doesn't have NBC because NBC has Peacock. (laughs) There was no point in me joining Sling. Then, let's see, I tried to join AT&T. I'm telling you, these services, they cost like 60 bucks a month. Oh, cable. Yeah. Now, AT&T, I'm not sure that you have to have cable with AT&T because I have Wi-Fi with them. Do I have to have cable? (laughs) Well, no, I don't mean you have to have a cable, a coaxial cable, but it's like cable like used cable. to operate. You're, yeah. you're you're subscribing to their whole channel lineup. Yeah, all of them are expenses. Fubo, which is a sports station, for mm-hmm. some reason, had NBC. That was 
$65 a month. I mean, that's a lot of money. Anyway, I tried and tried and tried for two hours. I tried and did not get the Golden Globes. But I did learn that. Did you watch The Crown? Yeah. Oh, the two young leads who played Charles and Diana both won for Best Actor and Best Actor. Oh, Actress. that's nice. Okay. Isn't that I nice? I can get into that. Yep. They were so good. And I think Gillian Anderson, I think she won oh, for- I hope so, for The Crown. As, as Maggie. Yeah, yes, yeah. That was one of the most brilliant things I've seen in a long time. Oh, she was she was amazing. Every word was just agony, you know? It was like she was constipated. Exactly. She was verbally constipated. She had to push every single word out. Yeah. yeah. And I don't remember Maggie that- I, I thought it was a great performance. It wasn't an imitation of Maggie Thatcher because I don't think Maggie Thatcher spoke that way. At least I oh. that my memory isn't that she spoke that way, but it was a great performance yeah. in any case. Yeah. The other thing that I saw that was is really compelling is the documentary Allen versus Pharaoh. About oh yeah, Woody Allen I couldn't. Yeah, why? It's a documentary. I just you love feel like I don't know. It feels old. Oh well, the story. But that hasn't is... stopped me with other things. I watched the one about Michael Jackson. That was old, and I found it fascinating. So which which one? Oh, the Neverland one. Mm-hmm. Leaving this Neverland. Is, this is interesting because it goes into the relationship that Dylan now. She had two sons, twins, with her first husband, Andre Previn. They adopted, I think, four other children. That would make six. Then they adopted... Now, those children, I I believe all of them came from Vietnam, Mm -hmm. including Suni, whose name I thought was Suni, but they pronounce it Suni, the woman who married Woody Allen, the oldest of the adopted children. Right. They had this unusual relationship. They lived across from each other in Manhattan, across the park from each other. They could actually signal each other (laughs) from their apartments. So he walks into this arrangement where this woman has these six children. He had no interest in the children whatsoever. He did form relationships with them ultimately. But when she suggested that they have a child together, he said, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to have anything to do with raising it. But in fact, when they adopted this little girl, Dylan, who was a a baby, he fell in love with her and was consumed and favor her over all the other children. And he'd, he'd had relationships with the other kids as well. One in particular was a boy named Moses who was adopted that seemed to signal to as dylan got older and older and woody allen became more and more possessive of her mia farrow seemed to feel that there was something a little wrong her alarm bells started going off now i've only gotten to the point where mia farrow has discovered the photographs of suny that woody allen had taken Immediately, their relationship is over. Woody Allen is not coming around the house, the the apartment anymore. Mia Farrow has to explain to the children why he's not coming around. Well, excuse me, I wouldn't say this to the children if I were their mother, but her way of dealing with it was to say that Woody had taken naked pictures of Suni. And Dylan said that her first thought was, oh, I'm not the only one. And that's where the first episode ends. Spoiler alert. Mm, I didn't know it was a series. Yes, it's a series of uh, four episodes, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm a little intrigued. I'm a little intrigued now. Hmm. It's very interesting. It also goes into 
if you remember in Manhattan, and I watched Manhattan not that long ago and was shocked, shocked, I tell you, that Mariel Hemingway was 16 years old. She plays a 17-year-old. She was 16 years old when she was playing opposite Woody Allen, who was 42 at the time. Wow. I mean, she was a high school student. He kisses her on screen. It's it's gross. Mm-hmm. So they go through his filmography and the number of young women paired yeah. with older men, either with him or other actors, right. is just chronic through his right. films. Obviously, they're making the case for Dylan Farrow. It's just so interesting because in my mind, I couldn't put all that stuff together. And this is helping me sort of formulate, oh, I see how that could happen. I mm. see how that might have been the case. Whereas before it was just a jumble. A Woody Allen was sexually inappropriate with his seven-year-old daughter and they had eight children. They She became pregnant with Ronan Farrow, whose name was Satchel when they first had him. And then he changed it out of deference to Mia Farrow. The whole setup is very, very interesting. It just draws you in. Hmm. That's what I know about that. I can't say anything more about it without spoiling it further. But oh, right. There, right. there are other elements right. in it. It's done by a man whose work I know. His name is Kirby Dick, and he works with a partner, a woman, and her name is, escapes me, sadly. They've done other very respected documentaries about sexual assault in the military and other films that are really well done and subjects that are important. Right. This isn't an, an exploitative ripoff of some headlines. Mm-hmm. I might give it a look because it, it sounds to me like it's kind of interesting just on a psychological level and uh, family dynamics yeah. and all of that. Yeah, definitely. So you had a bear experience. What was the... Um... Bear Town. But there's another series I started to watch documentary on HBO Max called Welcome to Chechnya. Have you heard of that one? It's no. really interesting. It's interesting, but it's also very sad. But it's about, I don't know if they call it a province or what. It's it's part of Russia, but it's Chechnya. Yeah. It's, it's Muslim, Muslim, mostly. Yeah. Super homophobic, as is Russia, but even worse. And oh. so they have made scapegoats of gay people. And they have these roving bands of people who go after them and oh beat them to a pulp. So there's these gay rights organizations based in Moscow that work on getting them out, getting people out. It's uplifting in a way because you see these great young people who have these relationships, who are in love with each other, who have these relationships, who have to get out. But getting out is difficult. Anyway, it just shows you that homophobia is alive and well and thriving in Chechnya. Is that the point of the documentary to show how homophobic they are? Well, yeah, but also to show that in Russia, which apparently is no great uh, mecca for gay rights, uh, at least there are these organizations. And you see these young people that are working in these human rights organizations really actively actively working to get these people out of Chechnya so that they can survive. You hear of or see even in some cases these beatings and it's pretty distressing. But you also see this support system that's working to do something about it. So in that sense, it's kind of hopeful. Aren't they trying to break away from Russia anyway? I don't know. They were there. Weren't there all these that there were Chechnyan rebels, but that was years ago. Yeah. I don't know what the latest is on that. Or maybe I think, not so much. Anymore. Well, they do. Now that you mention it, they do point out that the guy who heads up Chechnya, the president or whatever they call him, 
the great leader, he's a puppet of Putin's. And so I guess part of what endears this guy to Putin is his rabid homophobia. Wow. It's, boy, it sure makes you grateful for the advances that we've had in our culture, even though, yeah. you know, we, yeah. we still have a ways to go. But comparatively, it's night and day. It's very sobering to see that people still face this stuff. And yet, you know, what's interesting is that the culture has become global because of the Internet. In another time, say 20 or 30 years ago, people in Chechnya would have just, they wouldn't have seen a different way. Yeah. Because of media and internet, these people, even in these countries where they're treated so horribly, this is what's inspiring about it. Even with that, they feel entitled to be in a relationship with a person of the same gender who they love. That wouldn't have happened, I don't think. It would have turned them all into self-haters. Yeah. Well, that's inspiring. Yeah. Um, Now, did you pay attention? And I was reading about it. I didn't follow it all the way through. But this vote on LGBT rights that just went through the Senate that was. Oh, I know what it was about. It was about expanding the Civil Rights Act to encompass and include gender and sexual orientation. And, you know, all those Republicans. It's like 50 years overdue. Yeah. I can't believe it. They're not even contemporaneous with their own base. I mean, the American people are more liberal in general. Even Republican citizens are more pro-LGBTQ. Well, yeah, and it's not about what they believe. It's about the population they're trying to curry favor with. And I think the Republicans are out to get the votes of a group of people, a large group of people in this country who feel disenfranchised, disaffected, forgotten and victimized and are white and they need someone to hate. And so they're still using gay people as a, Do you know as what, a though? I think it's more, I think it's more transgender people that they're really focusing on this idea of bathrooms. Republicans are just insane over the subject of bathrooms and who's going to use the bathroom. Some man who used to be a woman or some woman who used to be a man. The whole area is insane. Well, they can stir up more passion around that issue because it's newer and stranger and people haven't gotten used to it yet. True. I think the transgender rights movement is so new. But I guess even while that was happening, there's a subset of people who are determined to feel like they're losing their former privilege. Well, Stephanie Miller said, I think very wisely that Republicans are always looking for someone to blame mm-hmm. and that when something goes wrong, Republicans think, who can I lay this on? Whereas Democrats think, how can we help? Oh, yeah. And that's a little too gilded, but it is for the most part true. Republicans look for someone to blame. Right. And if they can blame it on transgender people, they can blame their fear and their their loathing and their feelings of feeling othered. Mm-hmm. I mean, they feel othered. That just blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that thing about, I guess, at CPAC, the theme of it was cancel culture. Uncanceling yes. America. America, or America uncanceled. Crazy. So. Well, I think uh, I think we we've done it. We have done it. We've we made it to the end. We need to say goodbye. Yes, we do. To our boomer friends. Have Stay a good safe week. out there. Yeah. Yes. Get your shots when you can. Yes. If you're under 65, they're coming soon. Coming soon to a CVS okay. near you. Okay. <laughs> okay. So long, Bye-bye. boomers. Bye. Bye.